I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And I want to welcome you today to join me as we get in the Word of God together. And today I want to talk on the subject of God's will. How to miss God's will big time. You know, it's so important to be in God's will. And it's important to find God's will for our lives because God's will is for our best. God's will is for us to have abundant life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly in John 10.10. But there are certain things we can do that will cause us to miss God's will big time. And we will be the losers. We're going to miss out on God's best. And I want to challenge you in those areas this week so that you are not out of God's will and that you find and can experience the life of God. You know, as we find and walk in God's will more and more, we will experience more and more of his life. But to be out of God's will means that we'll be missing out on the good things that God has planned for us. Now, there are two aspects to God's will in our lives. There's the general will of God, and there's the special will of God. The general will of God is that part of God's will which applies to all of us. God's, God's will is all of us to walk in love. God's will is for all of us to read the Bible, to pray, to go to church, and so on. And that's clearly revealed in the Bible for all of us to follow. His word is his will. But secondly, there is the specific will of God for your life, the special will of God, who you marry, your job, your, the, where you live. Now, that's different for different people. And so you need to discover the special will of God for your life. As you walk with God step by step, the Holy Spirit can reveal these things for you. You know, but the key that I want to tell you today is to be in the specific will of God, you must first follow his general will. You see, you can't expect to hear God in these special specific areas if you're ignoring his word generally in your life. We want to hear, it's exciting to hear God speak his will into our lives and tell us and give us direction in our lives. But, you know, God has already spoken his will for us through the Bible, and that covers a whole large areas of our life. And we need to pay attention to that, first of all, before we can expect to get a lot more specific guidance for our lives. Well, the Bible emphasizes and underscores certain issues in God's general wills, and it highlights them so we don't miss it. And it spells it out by saying, this is the will of God for you. And I want to show you some scriptures that point, pinpoint certain key areas. This is the will of God for you. God is underlining it so that we don't miss, miss it. God wants to get our attention. Because if we miss God's will in these points, we will miss out big time on God's best. Disobedience in these areas can put our life off course and destroy our fellowship with God, and then we won't be able to hear him for his specific will for our life. You know, I compare it like this. You're expecting special directions to go on a destination you want to get from A to B, and so you want to get specific directions. But what's the point if you're driving on completely the wrong motorway? See, God's general will is the motorway that by which you're heading in the right general direction. And if you're on his general will, if you're doing that, then you can get specific directions as to what the specific turn-offs are to get there. But if you're in the wrong motorway going in completely opposite direction, you're not 
going to get any specific direction that's going to help you very much? No. And there are certain motorways that God has put a big sign above them saying, keep off this motorway because it's going to lead you to death. It's going to lead you to destruction. Yes, when God gives us restrictions, they're for our benefit. They're to keep us away from danger and destruction. God wants us to, ble to be blessed. And so he put fences around dangers that will destroy us. It's not that he's trying to spoil our fun. No, he's trying to save our lives from what's going to hurt us. And so it can be confusing sometimes because the whole world is walking down these wrong motorways and they're expecting us to follow them. And so God's way is not the world's way. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Jesus said uh, that the whole world will go down the wrong road thinking they're okay. Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14 says, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many in the whole world, in fact, who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it. First of all, God wants you to go through the narrow gate of salvation, and that gate is Jesus Christ. And you need to go through Jesus to be saved, to enter into the kingdom of God. And having done that, you now need to stay on the road, the, the narrow road that leads to life. You see, God has told us, don't go on the broad road where the world is going to destruction, but stay on the narrow world road, marked out by the word of God that leads you to life. And God's word shows us the road that leads to life. And that's what, having gone through the narrow gate of salvation, we need to walk on the narrow road that leads to life and not be drawn by the world going in different directions. Well, the whole world is on the wrong road to destruction, so don't follow it. I'm going to show you some of the wrong motorways. And if you avoid them, you'll stand out from the world. But God has clearly highlighted the wrong roads for us with a road sign. He says, this is the will of God for you. Let's have a look at those now. You know, I want you to know that God loves you. God's will is the best for you. And it's, it's like parents with children. They say, don't cross that busy road. They're not trying to spoil their children's fun. They're trying to save their life. And so God wants to lead you into the road that leads to life and peace and joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so when God tells you, don't do this, it's for your good. It's because he loves you. Well, let's look at five points where you can miss God's will big time. Five big pointers where you need to be in God's will. And the first way to miss God's will as a believer in Jesus Christ and I'm talking to you now assuming that you have gone through the narrow gate, that you have put your trust in Jesus Christ and that you call Jesus your Lord. Well, he gives commands to you now. And the first one is to be baptized, to be baptized in water. And to miss God's will big time, all you have to do is remain unbaptized. Let's have a look at that in Luke 7, verse 30. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized for him. Yes, if you refuse to be baptized, you are rejecting the will of God for your life. Oh, but my church, uh, my denomination doesn't believe in water baptism as, as when I become a Christian. 
Well, are you obedient to your denomination or you're obedient to God and his word? Baptism in water is a command. It's not an option. The world is ashamed to name Jesus, except as a swear word, but we should not be ashamed to proclaim him as our Lord in baptism. By going through the waters of baptism, you're proclaiming yourself to be a follower of Jesus, identified in his death and his resurrection, and you're risen to a new life of following him. Officially, baptism is the first command to a new believer, and therefore it's the first act of obedience. It's your entry into being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And therefore, as a new believer, as a, as a disciple of Jesus, if you don't even obey the first command, you are, haven't even started on the journey properly. In fact, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations. And this is how you're to do it. He says, um, make disciples of them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the entry into discipleship, by receiving baptism. And then it says, and then teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you, and I shall be with you always to the end of the age. In other words, being a disciple is, is following the teaching of Jesus, obeying his word. And it all begins by obeying his first command of being baptized. We submit to baptism, not because we feel like it, but because the Lord requires it. And it's a sign of our faithful obedience that we have decided to follow Jesus as our Lord. If we refuse to be baptized, what does that say about our faith? Have we really received Jesus as our Lord? Or are we just playing religious games? Jesus said in Mark 16, Preach the gospel. Those who believe and are baptized shall be saved. Those who do not believe will be condemned. Now notice he says that those who believe, he fully expects them to be baptized. He says everyone is either a believer or someone who doesn't believe. And he assumes that those who believe will be baptized. And those who don't believe, they'll be condemned. He doesn't actually talk about believers who don't get baptized. That isn't even in his thinking. Because surely if they believe and receive Jesus as their Lord, then they'll do what he tells them to do, which is to be baptized. Acts 2.38, to the first sermon, Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. That doesn't sound like a suggestion to me, that's a command. You know, baptism is a wonderful experience. But our main satisfaction we have is that we have pleased God and we've obeyed the Lord. And this qualifies us for his blessing and his power in our lives. You know, when Jesus was baptized, I love that. It says the Holy Spirit came upon him and the Father spoke from heaven saying, I'm well pleased with you. This is, you're my beloved son. You know, he was pleased with Jesus because he was obeying him in the waters of baptism. And as a result, Jesus received the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's a blueprint for us. When we're baptized, we please God by our obedience. And we are now qualified to receive more of his power. And Jesus was baptized as an example for us. The very word baptism means immersion. And so baptism requires full immersion in water for it to be true baptism. And the person being baptized in the Bible must be a believer. You believe and then you're baptized. So whatever happened to you as a baby, that is not baptism. Yes, it's, it's good to be, dedicate the babies to, the, to God. It's good to christen babies. But this isn't what the Bible means by baptism. 
No, that's something that happens after you become a Christian. And so church traditions have confused this issue. But if you check the Bible out, then it's clear enough. Don't let your traditions keep you out the will of God. Don't be like the Pharisees who rejected the will of God for their life by not being baptized. The first thing of, that you need to do, having been saved, is to be baptized. And then you've made the first step on the right road of being in the will of God. Let me go on now to the next point where you can be out of the will of God big time. And that it, this might surprise you, but the Bible pinpoints this, ingratitude, ingratitude. You know, the world always complains and blames God, but we're to continually give thanks in every situation. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, in everything give thanks for, here it is, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. See how he emphasizes that? This is the will of God for you. Yes, God's will for you. Say, oh, I want to know God's will for my life. Here it is. In everything, give thanks. Praise God. And then he says, quench not the spirit. Yes, giving thanks keeps us in a positive spirit focused on God. It's God's will that we develop a spirit of thanksgiving. You know, tuning in to what God is doing in every situation, seeing the positive side and rejoicing. Otherwise, we just always focus on the negative and we quench the spirit. You see, when we give thanks, we allow God to complete and continue what he started. You see, as God starts doing something in our life, we're to give thanks for that rather than saying, well, God, you haven't finished yet. What about this, that, and the other that isn't done yet? No, as he does something, give him thanks. And then that keeps your faith active so that he can complete what he's doing. Think of the t ten lepers that came to Jesus one day. And it says they were cleansed of their leprosy. And so the leprosy was removed from them. But only one of them came back to thank Jesus. And Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. In other words, the one leper that gave thanks for what had been done, that the negative had been cleansed, actually now received more. Because now the missing parts of his body that had been destroyed by leprosy grew back. And the work that Jesus had started in him was completed. And he opened the door for that by giving thanks. Praise God. Thanking God for his blessings keeps the power of God active and working. But when we deny them, it shuts it down. We quench the spirit. We quench the power of God in our life when we're not grateful. Well, we should also acknowledge good things about people. Jesus was full of grace and truth. And the first key to graciousness with people is being thankful and appreciative of who they are and what they do. Otherwise, we quench our fellowship. Likewise, if we're not thankful to God, it quenches the fire of the Spirit of God in us. Yes, we should be a lot better at praising people than gossiping and speaking negatively about them. God's will for us is to cultivate a thanking heart and thanking lips in every situation. Yes, even bad situations, we can still thank him because Romans 8.28 says that God works all things together for good. So we can say, Lord, this thing that's happening, I thank you that you're going to work it for good. Praise God. So instead of getting bitter, we'll get better. Instead of having a stepping stone, sorry, instead of this setback, we'll be turned into a stepping stone to greater success. Praise God. Well, now I want to go to the third point which is rebellion. 
Yes. If we have the wrong attitude to authority, that's going to get us out of God's will very quickly. The spirit of the world is, again, against authority. But the will of God is that we respect and relate properly to authority. Yes, being free and forgiven in Christ doesn't mean we're a law to ourselves. 1 Peter 2, verse 13 says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, um, and so forth. For, and then he goes on to say, For this is the will of God. This is the will of God. He goes on to say, Honor all people. Love the brothers, fear God, honor the king, servants or employees. Be submissive to your masters, to those over you with all fear. Yes, you see, we are to know what is genuine authority and submit to that. God has instituted authorities that we would have a peaceful and orderly life. And so we should respect them and support them. They are ministers of God. Now, authorities might be wrong and they should be accountable. But the spirit of rebellion is to rise against authority, to rail against it, to reject it or overthrow it. And this actually puts us in Satan's camp, and it brings a curse on us. Now, if we disagree with them, or if they fail, we should pray with them, rather than tear them down. This applies to how we treat the royal family, or politicians. We should look past the person to the uniform. We should discern God's authority on them and submit to that. And that is a key, a major key to our blessing. Remember, God is the highest authority. So if the authority tells us to do something against God's will, we do not obey that authority, but we rather obey God. But we still uh, maintain a submissive and respectful attitude toward that authority. Well, that includes respecting authority, includes respecting other people's free will, because everyone's got authority, and it's called free will. And we mustn't... Uh, if we try and uh, manipulate, control people, we're actually disrespecting their uh, authority. And so rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That means it's as bad as witchcraft. And when we can't try and uh, manipulate and control people by the wrong powers, we're actually overriding their authority. That is the spirit of rebellion. Well, that's such an important principle. We must honor authority, we respect authority, and people's individual free will is authority. Well, I want to get to the next point, which is immorality. 1 Thessalonians tells us about this. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3, says, the world might believe in immorality, but it is not the will of God. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel or his own body in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that you never cheat in this matter by taking another man's wife because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also warned you. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has given us his Holy Spirit. This is the will of God, that you abstain from immorality, because our sexuality must be kept under control for marriage. Sex was given to be enjoyed in marriage. And you must marry someone who you have unity with, spirit, soul, and body. And, uh, but sex before marriage bypasses the friendship stage, and it will 
result in a relationship that lacks depth. And sex before marriage also creates, glues you to that person. And so when you're in a wrong relationship, you're glued to them through that sex. And so to pull apart, and when that relationship goes wrong, it's hard to pull that apart. And so it spoils God's order in a relationship. And wrong sexual relationships are a major reason why people miss God's will. And another way people miss God's will in this area is Christians marrying or dating non-believers. It says we should not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's in, one, that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. No, we can only marry in the Lord. And God says to those who are un dating an unbeliever, you're in danger of missing God's will big time. You've got no business doing that. Repent and come out of that relationship and save yourself a lot of trouble or else your disobedience will cost you dear. You need to get into God's will in your relationships and you need to prepare to marry a believer. Praise God. Well, the last issue I need to deal with quickly that you can miss God faster than anything else is by being involved in the occult. The occult is any attempt to contact or to use supernatural powers outside of God. And that's forbidden by God. It carries a sentence of death in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, it's not literal physical death, but nevertheless, it will bring you into death and destruction in your life. Deuteronomy 8.9 says that we are not to have anything to do with things of witchcraft and things like a Ouija boards and horoscopes, seances, palm reading, it says these things are an abomination to the Lord. They are doors of death. And the quickest way out of God's will into destruction is dabbling in the occult. It puts your life on a path to destruction. You're actually having fellowship with demons and it destroys your fellowship with God. Yes, the world is immersed in the occult, in spiritualism, tarot cards and fortune-telling, hypnotism and so on. But God's will for us is to avoid contact with these doors of death. They are, the occult things are landing pads for demons. And we are to cleanse ourselves by renouncing Satan, renouncing the occult, calling on Jesus for deliverance and claiming the cleansing of his blood. God hates these things because they give Satan access to your life for him to kill and destroy you. But God wants you to have abundant life. He loves you, so he warns you not to touch these things, you see. And so we need to go through the door of Jesus. You want the supernatural in your life? You want insight into the future? Don't go through Satan's doors because it will just be death. But go through God's door, which will be life. God's door is Jesus. Go to he for healing to Jesus. Go through the name of Jesus and the word of God. But if you try any other door, it, you'll be on the road to death and destruction. Well, let me pray now for you. Praise God. I want to remind you that it's time to turn from the things that will lead you to destruction. Are you not baptized yet? Get baptized. Are you living in ingratitude? Start thanking God every day for every good thing that he's doing and that he will do. Are you in rebellion against someone in your life, against an authority? Get your heart right. Are you in immorality, in wrong relationships, maybe with unbelievers? Repent and get out of that. Have you dabbled in the occult?
get right with God. Repent, renounce it, and ask God to cleanse you from that. Well, God bless you, and stay in the will of God, and enjoy his life. Amen.